Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Presented by betonline.ag and our friends over at Oak Ridge Wealth Management. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by my good friend, Badger legend, the Hebrew hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. <laughs> Bernie, how you doing today? Man, I, listen, every day on the podcast with you is a holiday. Could have been a Scarlet Knight, the Scarlet Knight hammer, but did, did you know what? Just the luckily Scarlet didn't hammer. Have it. The Scarlet Hammer has a really nice sound. It does. To it. It does. That sounds like a like a uh, one of those Marvel superheroes that they'd make a movie because they like needed what more Avengers or something like that. The Scarlet yeah. Hammer. <laughs> Absolutely yes, and we are honored here today to have Mike Broadbent from the Scarlet, not the, just the Night Report, not the Scarlet Night Report, just the Night Report. The Night Report, um, you know, and. Uh, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Rutgers. Personally, my dad went to Rutgers. Uh, shout out Rutgers class in 1970. Um, and uh, yeah, man, we are we are pumped to talk uh, some Scarlet Knights, some Badgers, and uh, what is actually a really exciting game this weekend. Yeah, I was a little surprised the line came out as high as it did, and it has gotten bet down a little bit. But uh, it, it should be a great game. Yeah, it's it's two teams that have had a lot of transformation over the last. Uh, six to, to nine to 12 months. So I'm excited to, to hear from your guys' perspective, how things are going. You can hear from mine as well. I do think uh, at least our fan base would love to hear uh, Bernie's uh, almost came to Rutgers story though, before we get too deep into the current teams. Almost came to Rutgers. So when I was in high school, this guy, Chuck Mound, he was like a, a fast foot speed doctor. I, honestly, I, we called it, um, oh man, like speed clinic. He was like this guru speed okay. clinic. And I don't know what it was, but we would do it on a field right outside of Rutgers. And so we would drive there and do like a one-on-one -on -one training session. And uh, okay. we toured the facilities once, I guess, coach, you know, Chuck Matt or coach got us somehow in there. And we, uh, we toured the facilities. It was beautiful, but I had a, a scholarship from uh, Syracuse to play D line. And then Wisconsin came out of nowhere and, you know, it was, it's hard to turn down Wisconsin when you like show up on campus and see it and sure. you're part of it. Rutgers showed more interest. There were, there would have been more interest, you know, an East coast school I could drive to would have been exciting. Um, but they also, you know, at the time, you know, Rutgers played in the big East. So that it, the big 10 was a draw. A fullback was a draw, even though you guys had Brian Leonard, who, who I also thought was awesome, um, <laughs> but neither here nor there. Uh, you know, I picked, the Badgers and and now I'm you know Wisconsin for life. Listen, Mike, my, my wife's from there. Uh, I work for the university, so like I am so Wisconsin. It's it's like absurd. <laughs> I'm bleeding. Like I wear only red T-shirts now. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it happens to everyone who goes to UW. I feel like even if you're not from the state of Wisconsin, once you're there, man, you are a Wisconsinite. Like, kind of, and it's not whether you want to, want to be or not. Like, you are a Wisconsinite. 
But no matter where Every, you're from, no matter who your team is, the best place to wager on them is at betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wager needs. You name it, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. Head on over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, where the game starts. We are going to start here uh, today, gentlemen, with... Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about this Rutgers team because, you know, obviously, like, I have a little bit of skin in the Rutgers game as, you know, being a, being a Rutgers legacy myself <laughs> um, with, with, with my dad being a Rutgers alum and always having a big soft sauce for the Scarlet Knights. And really, I'm someone who's always really appreciated the way that Greg Chiano's gone about his business, like, as a coach, right? Like, and, like, he and Rutgers just, like, seem to go together really, really well. And anyone who's watched Rutgers this year – I, I don't know. I'm really impressed with your defense. So, like, let's talk, you know, let's talk a little bit of nuts and bolts about the Scarlet Knights for our Badger fans who probably don't know a ton about what's going on uh, in Piscataway right now. So, uh, you guys are off to a really, really nice start. Um, so, like, what is – let's start with what's new. What's new this year for the Scarlet Knights that is sort of, you know, taking them, you know, helping them take the next step? So first and foremost, uh, we have an established QB that's set in stone. Greg Chiano typically doesn't like to name starters, you know, well ahead of, uh, you know, guys seemingly earning the job unless they're already, you know, incumbent starters. So he announced Gavin was the Gavin Wimsett was the uh, starting quarterback. He's a 19 year old. He's about to turn 20. But he's actually in his third year because he, he tried to do the Quinn Ewers thing where he joined midway or before his uh, senior year of high school. So he actually was on campus, played two games as a high school senior, and then enrolled ahead of the Syracuse game in 2021. So a little unorthodox approach to college uh, from Gavin, but he was named the starter, and there's an entire new offensive staff as well at Rutgers. So there's a new offensive coordinator, Kirk Soraka, who if you're a Big Ten fan, you should be a little bit familiar. He was the longtime uh, offensive coordinator under P.J. Fleck. So P.J. Fleck's a Rutgers guy, too. Uh, he was they're not Rutgers as he went there, but he was a, from the Shiano coaching tree. So a lot of the, 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 you know, idiosyncrasies of like, you know, chop and family or whatever. he does row instead of chop. But uh, he was a guy that was on the Rutgers staff during Greg's first reign. Um, and then he stick he stuck with uh, P.J. through Western Michigan and at Minnesota for a while. Greg, you know, fought tooth and nail to try and land this guy. Um, and after, you know, a few overtures, he signed a three-year, $4.2 million deal to be Rutgers offensive coordinator in the offseason. Um, not so bad. You know, not so bad. Uh, yeah. Rutgers is not known for shelling out if, uh, for their either their coordinators or any assistants, and that's, you know, long been a, a bane of fans' uh, existence sure. because we had the opportunity to land some high-profile assistants in the past. It never worked out. But anyway, so we have – Kirk Soraka is the offensive coordinator who, by all accounts, has totally, you know, you know, there's some coaches who really can only coach their system. And then there's some coaches who heavily lean towards what are my guys comfortable with? What are my guys good at doing? And Kirk Soraka is certainly the latter. Um, our previous offensive coordinator, Sean Gleason, was very much a systems guy and it didn't really go well last year. We also dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, we have a new off, uh, wide receivers coach in Dave Brock, who previously coached with the Falcons. He, you know, he's got a, a laundry list of guys he helped develop into the NFL. He was also at Rutgers at one point. He coached Hakeem Nixon college. He coached Marquise Colston in college. He was, you know, uh, Calvin Ridley's coach the first year he had a, a, a thousand yard season in the NFL. 
Um, we've also got a longtime NFL offensive line coach in Pat Flaherty, who won two Super Bowls as the offensive line coach for the New York Giants. I think he coached in the NFL for about 20 years. And these guys are all replacing a former high school coach in Nunzio Campanelli, a former high school coach in Augie Hoffman, and a guy who had been the offensive coordinator at Princeton before he landed at Rutgers. So the credentials of this staff are much better than they used to be uh, last year. So I think the the coaching has been night and day better on, on offense, especially. Um, and Gavin has shown that he's made some pretty big strides. Like last year, he was a 45% completion percentage guy over, you know, of 150 attempts. So not great. This year, he's bumped that up to 54%. So it's still below what you'd want in a quarterback in this day and age, but he's made significant progress. He's only turned the ball over one time all season, and it was on a pretty bad play call. Uh, you know, I just hyped up the offensive play caller and you know I, I blame a play call for the interception last week at Michigan or two weeks ago at Michigan. Touchdown? yeah so yeah. Rutgers was was down 17-7 I think they're at the 28 yard line on the fourth and two of Michigan um and uh yeah he called a screen he hadn't called a screen literally all season and uh Michigan was all over it Michigan had three guys surrounding the the wide receiver he didn't really have a chance um but those are kind of the, the high level things the defense uh second year under uh, defense coordinator Joe Harris Simiak, who has been a fantastic coordinator for us. Um, we've got probably the most talent on the team. Most of the talent on the team is on the defensive side. Um, we've probably got four to five NFL guys, future NFL guys starting on our defense at least. Uh, so, I mean, that's always been a hallmark of Shiano is these tough teams that are defensive oriented. Uh, he, he calls it complimentary football. Uh, I think that's a little antiquated at this point, but um, those are the high level beats is that the defense has improved from last year. They returned most of their players. The offensive staff is a totally revamped staff and Gavin Wimsett has made strides in his second year as the, the mostly full-time starter last year. He's, he would have been if he didn't get hurt, but yeah. Was I watching I mean, him? You, you guys fought hard, man. That, that yeah. put you down. I mean, that was a hard, that was a game changer for the entire game, but you guys went into Michigan and played really hard. I, I thought you guys played great football. That made me nervous thinking of Rutgers coming up a little <laughs> bit to watch. Cause you do have your, you're right. The offense looked solid. I mean, yep. outside of some bad, and you're right. I think you, you have to, as a coach, put your players in the best position to succeed. And sometimes you don't and bad things happen and you cannot always blame the, the players, you know, like that's the play call. You th usually throw it to the, to the screen. Um, but it must be exciting just to watch, you know, the growing pains of coming into the big 10 and this year feels different for you guys. Is that how you are, are viewing this? I do. I predict them to have five wins this season. Um, in my preseason projections, I think they'll easily get to six, maybe even seven this year, given how things have kind of broken for Rutgers too. I mean, they still have Indiana on the schedule. They still have Michigan State on the schedule. Uh, both those teams have kind of bottomed out. You know, we're going to play Iowa the second to last game of the season. And Cade McNamara is not for the season. With they haven't announced it, but it looked like an ACL. Um, no, they they announced it earlier today that he's out for the season and that he uh, their starter is former Badger back of Deacon Hill. Yeah, he was a guy we we kind of showed a little interest in in the portal, but I don't think it was yep. ever going to happen. Um, well, he was actually committed to. Fordham for a hot second and then oh interesting to Iowa in the portal yeah interesting um yeah. but yeah in general I think the vibe so I went to to Rutgers from 2007 to 2010 so after the 2006 year so I was a Rutgers football fan first and foremost like I went in high school to you know a handful of games 
Um, so I remember very acutely like what it was like on campus when this thing was rolling. And it was so much fun. Like you guys probably went to Wisconsin at some point when you guys were rolling because Wisconsin seems to always be rolling. So <laughs> what I'm saying is probably no, not, not unfamiliar to you guys. Um, but it was like this palpable energy all around campus all fall and everybody was all tuned into it. And in the years after I graduated, the Kyle Flood era and the Chris Ash era, it was demoralizing because like our first year in the Big Ten, we went eight and five, went to the Motor City Bowl, we beat North Carolina. And really everything's gone bad since. I don't think we had a winning season since 2014, uh, which is one of the longest streaks in the Power Five. And we, we've we gotten to the point where like any glimmer of hope was something that we were just, you know, latching onto. Like last year when Sam Brown had like, you know, 90 yards against Ohio State, it was like, oh my God, we might have something. We might have a guy mm-hmm. who could make a, you know, make a tack, like miss a, make a guy miss a tackle on offense. This is amazing. And this year has been a, a flip has definitely switched inside this program. I mean, we didn't really blow out anybody outside of, you know, FCS teams. And we had a, a blowout against uh, Temple a few years ago, opening weekend, but that was basically because of turnovers and setting up short fields. But this year has been different. We've been putting away teams. And last year we, we went on, uh, we went on the road opening day and beat Boston college, like 20, 22 to 20 or something like that. It was a really close game. There were three and nine Boston college team this year. You know, you look at Virginia Tech, who's better than Boston College last year, and they beat them by, you know, three scores. Same thing for Temple. We beat them by 30 points. We beat a team in Northwestern that looks a lot better than I thought they were going to look coming out of week one. We, we would have had it pitched a shutout against them if it wasn't for a muffed punt with two minutes left in the game, setting up, you know, first and 10 on the 30 for uh, Northwestern. So the vibes are definitely different, but I, I definitely, from being so, you know, boots on the ground with Rutgers, the team is much different mentality wise as well. It feels like they're finally figuring out how to win these games and how to not shoot themselves in the foot and lose games too. So that's the thing that I wanted to mention because like, I think a hallmark of Rutgers in the past that, you know, when I've watched is that they always seem to have the most untimely penalties and just like you said, like shooting themselves in the foot and, and just making a lot of boneheaded mistakes. But I mean, if you look at it this year, like they are bottom 10 in the country in total penalties Yep. They are, you know, time of possession, they're doing fantastic. Like, they're holding, you guys are holding the ball a ton, you know, not yep. a lot of penalty yards in just the defense. Like, uh, that really stands out in terms of, I mean, statistically, top 25 in the country, total defense, rushing defense, passing defense, scoring defense, like all of these really important statistics, even turnover margin. Like, it, it seems like it's a much better, it's, the team's playing a lot cleaner you know, for lack of a yes. better word. And so I, it is, I feel like in the past you could have always like counted on Rutgers to, to mess it up a couple times in the game. And like, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about that pick against Michigan. You were used to seeing that three or four times a game. And now it seems to happen like maybe once every two or three games. Yeah. I think it, it comes down. If you look at Rutgers depth chart, almost every guy on that depth chart is a junior or senior or in terms of mm. eligibility wise, like with the whole COVID stuff, Rutgers is getting uh, a lot of guys to come back for that extra year that most teams don't have the luxury of because, you know, they're, they're good enough to start, but they wouldn't be somebody who's like worth poaching at the same time. That's no knock to our guys, but like, you know, if, if we were a better team, we'd have more guys getting poached by bigger programs uh, at least in the past few years. But, but anyway, like almost every player on the team is an upperclassman. And I think the coaching has improved light years from this past year to 
2023. So I think that's where, where you're kind of seeing it is because they're older, because the coaching's better. Another stat is Rutgers is first in terms of missed tackle rate uh, on defense uh, in the power five too. So they're just, they're executing at a high level. They're basically getting the most out of the talents they have. And some of the guys are, like I said, legit NFL guys, some are not. And so, you know, the, the results are mixed against, especially teams like Michigan, but against teams that Rutgers is on the same level or better than they're just dominating teams, which you probably haven't seen on the banks in 10 years. Well, it, it, I guess it brings us to the Badgers because Matt Perkins tell me differently. I think our, our strength is our offense this year. Yeah. Um, I think Absolutely. we're, I think, listen, everything's brand new. So that, that brings an edge to the Badgers because you really, almost everyone's new or in a different position. Um, and it's a completely different. One. So I think that gives us an edge. You know, our best against your best is always what you want to be, want to yep. watch. Um, you know, you got to stop Braylon Allen. Dude is a monster truck. I think he is fantastic and he finds a way to make a hole, make somebody miss, break a tackle. Like he always comes through in the clutch. It'll be interesting to see who's kind of like backing him up because we we don't, I mean, those guys aren't proven yet. Um, yeah. You know, the O-line, you, got, you said your D-line is pretty stout. Our O-line could have their hands full. Uh, really that's like always the hallmark of wisconsin is having a solid offensive line i know and you know this year i think you can make a pretty strong case the offensive line is in the worst position group on offense if you know if not the entire team it's i you know a lot of it is you know from my vantage point is the fact they're adapting to a completely new offensive system right they've gone from you know uh you know pro style under center you know, a lot of 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, ran the ball down your throat, you know, run the ball 45 times a game to now it is everything's in the shotgun. Everything's in the shotgun. Huh. Um, you know, it's all a, a lot more pass setting and, you know, guys have not been asked to do that for their entire careers. And now they are, and they've been, you know, a lot of mixed results, a lot of mixed results. And, you know, you saw when Wisconsin went up against a really athletic defensive line in Washington State, they got bullied. Like, they got absolutely bullied. And, you know, you, you know, they, they could, Washington State has two future NFLers on that defensive line. And they they really got, they got their, Wisconsin's offensive line got, got the candy taken from them in that game. And even in... I think it was in the last game, Burn. Yeah, I think it was in that Purdue game. Every starter on the Wisconsin line got a penalty call on them, whether it was a pre-snap wow. or a hold. And so that unit is my is you know is a big question mark coming into this game. And now coming off of a bye, you know, Wisconsin got a bye at, an, at what is kind of a crucial time between you know not just that and needing to sort of reorganize not reorganize the offensive line. It's the same starting unit they've had for all five games, but. Um, you know, Bernie mentioned the backups on at running back because the number two back or the the one, let's face it, the one A back because Chess Malusi was getting just as many touches as Braylon Allen in the first four weeks of the season. Well, he he broke his fibula and he's out for the rest of the year, which was a, which oh, was a damn shame because he had been playing really really strong football and in a lot of ways actually fit Phil Longo's system a lot better in terms of what he could do. He's a little bit you know a little bit faster, a little bit. Um, 
you know, uh, seem to, you know, really gel with that system a little bit more. And so now they have uh, fullback turned tailback Jackson Aker as the as the number two as the number two running back this week. And that is going to be um, that's going to be really interesting. Watch how much does Braylon Allen is he out there ninety percent of the snaps? Because I mean they've been splitting basically 50-50 with Braylon and Chez. And, you know, everyone behind Braylon now with Ches gone is completely unproven, like less than 10 carries in their mm. career unproven. And so this game to me, especially, you know, you talk about a stout Rutgers defense, a Wisconsin offense that has had some ups. Like we've seen the passing game evolve. Tanner Mordecai um, uh, has gotten better, I think, Burn, I think you'd agree with me here. He's gotten yep. better. Like as the season's went on, he seemed more comfortable um with you know receivers and a lot of transfers in in you know in the two deep i think half the guys in the two deep and in the wide receivers uh three of the six guys in the two deep are transfers uh and so you know getting everyone getting on the same page there but i am you know i'm a little bit worried about this Rutgers defense i'm not gonna lie like you know because they have because again like Rutgers doesn't really miss a lot of tackles um, yep. And, you know, it, 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 well-coached team is going to be in the right place. And so it's going to be up to – I think we're going to see a lot more Will Pauling in this game, the slot receiver uh, for the Badgers, and then a lot of Chimery DK, the number one wide receiver. I can see those two guys being sort of like the real big in, impact guys there because Wisconsin still going to want – is it's weird saying Wisconsin wants to spread, spread them out, but Wisconsin wants to spread them out now. And it is <laughs> not at all – like anything like we have been accustomed to seeing for 30 years in Madison. Yeah. Do you guys mind talking about that a little bit? Because for Rutgers fans, sure. it'll be, it'll be intriguing to hear. Uh, obviously Luke Fickle was a home run hire for you guys. He was one of the the more seasoned, uh, I guess he's not a, it's not a group of five program anymore, but he crushed it outside of that one year at, you know, I think he had that seven and six year at Ohio state in between the, uh, the Jim Trestle and yeah. the urban Meyer era, which I think, Gave him an uh, unwarranted taint to his uh, co- head coaching. Well, he wasn't uh, ready to be a head coach. He, he wasn't. wasn't he was thrown into an awful situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, he but also then he he also then stepped back and let Day take over. Like yep. what a what a. Ur- I let Urban take over. Not not. Day. Oh, sorry, Urban sorry, Urban. Over. My bad. But what a what an amazing thing as a coach to do. Like nobody want nobody does that. You, you don't see that really ever in terms of the guy staying on staff after that as well. But I, I guess because he was an Ohio state guy, because it was probably the, let's be honest, like if, if you're not going to have a head coaching job, you might as well be on the staff of a, te- a program like Ohio state or Alabama, because that's going to ultimately lead you to a better job anyway. But also like the offensive philosophy, like Wisconsin has been so singularly like we are a power running team. You know, our best players are offensive linemen and our running backs. You know, you have a long history of, you know, you know, both putting offensive linemen in the NFL and also putting running backs in the NFL. So, like, what is the the shock been amongst your fan base of like, what is this like alien spaceship that's landed at Camp Randall that we're watching now? Well, I think I think there the shock is is all the whole entire program is new. I mean, really, yeah. Chris McIntosh, the AD, broke away from thirty plus years of you know Wisconsin culture. I can't say it's a bad thing. I think it's it it could have the vision of Chris McIntosh to bring in Fickle, bring in Longo, bring in Trestle. Like these these could have huge impacts. I think later. I think people have to manage their expectations. This is all new. Every single sure. the coaches are new. They're moving to Madison. 
players are learning all new positions. We do nothing the same. And we're on, what, game five? So, like, yep. I think the buy is huge for us. I think that gives us another week to watch more film, to go over Rutgers, to go over Iowa, to go through what we have coming up. You know, bye week was great, but you really, you're grinding. Um, and I think that helps us a lot. It keeps us fresh. You know, we talk about Braylon might have to have 40 carries. He could do it off of bye week. I don't trust that for the whole season. But to get, to get back to your question is, it's, I mean, our, I'm, I'm a fullback. We don't do fullbacks. So, yeah. like, it hurts. <laughs> you know, like, it hurts. But I'm yeah. excited for where the program, the potential for where the program can go. And I think you're watching guys get better, right? Tana Mordecai from game one to, to Purdue is a whole new man. Running sure. the football, confident, calling plays. He puts a, he's a, he throws a laser beam. You know, I think the O-line is getting better. I think they're figuring it out. You know, it's all new schemes. They're asked to do so many new things. That's hard. Like, no matter if you're the best O-lineman or not, it's hard to do that stuff. It's all new terminologies. The whole thing is hard. Yeah, um, and I I'll, I'll talk about the defense. Let me hop in and talk about the defense here a little bit because uh, it, it may be a little bit more subtle to the naked eye, but the difference in Trestle's 3-3-5 scheme from Jim Leonard's 3-4, and the 3-4 has been run in Wisconsin for a decade, Ever since Gary Anderson came in and brought Dave Aranda with him, they transitioned from the 4-3 that they had run under Alvarez and Bielema for 20 years to switching to the 3-4. And that 3-4 defense for the last decade had been, you know, alongside Iowa, the best defense in the country year over year, right? In, in terms of yards, a lot of points, you know, points, like whatever metric you want, every year is Iowa, Wisconsin, and Alabama in terms of the best defense, best defense in the country from 2013 through 2022. And now, and the thing about that is in that three, four, you were seeing, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, pass rushers being generated by outside linebackers and D backs were asking me asking to drop back in zone. Well, now in the three, three, five, uh, the corners are being asked to play man all day. And it is, you know, the guys that they've been brought in, the guys they've been recruited are guys that have been recruited to play in the three, four, you know, to play the zone play three, four, and not to, you know, didn't really bring in pro guys to be proper nickelbacks or anything like that. And now you, you've got a starting nickelback. You've got safeties being asked to do very different things. Corners being asked to play a lot more press coverage. And there have been a lot of growing pains. Like you've seen the DBs get, get torched sometimes. And now um, I think what we've seen in the last couple games is they're doing a better job understanding when they can, can gamble and when they can't. You see, like, in the last game against Purdue, Ricardo Hallman gets two interceptions, two big interceptions, and he does, you know, he does a really good job of starting – he's starting to do a really good job understanding, even from, like, week one through week four, like, when can I, like, you know, try to take that gamble and go for the pick, and when do I just need to, like, play proper coverage and stick with my guy? And – you can see him doing a lot of improvement there, but they're, they're still, they're a light team though, because of the switch of the three, three, five, they're very, very light three down linemen. You know, James Thompson, the the defensive end has really been the only guy who's been able to get even a semblance of a consistent pass rush, but you know, the, the pass rush has, has been not been coming like we've seen in years past. Now this team doesn't have a Nick Herbig. This team doesn't have, um, a, uh, you know, a TJ Watt. This team doesn't have an Andrew Van Ginkle that is going to rack up a lot of sacks in the same way. We thought it might be someone like a Daryl Peterson, um, but it just hasn't been there 
yet. And I, that's a lot due to, to adjustments in the scheme. And in the, it's taking a minute for these guys to, it seems like, really feel comfortable. I felt like Burn in those first couple of games, like, it felt like, you know, the backers were half a step slow. The D-backs were half a step slow. The defensive linemen were, like, there, but not, like, really being explosive. And I think we're starting to see, like, little – you know, little incremental improvements there. But if Wisconsin is going to really take the next step, they have to get a more established and a more consistent pass rush. Otherwise, you know, they still don't have, you know, like five-star athletes out there playing corner who can hold up for uh, five, six, seven seconds in pass coverage and really be sticky to these guys. Because, you know, uh, you know, we're used to having Nick Herbig being, being on the quarterback in three seconds, and they just don't have that anymore. Uh, you, no, you're you're right. I think our I think our our skill player. Which we it's a whole new defense. It, it is a tough it thing is. to you know. You're talking about. I correlated to me when I showed up at Wisconsin. I was god awful. Like I I couldn't even carry the water out to the team. So imagine my my ramp up was almost a year long of being on the scout team, getting my butt kicked, watching film, grinding in the offseason, lifting, doing all these things. I had a year almost. You know. These guys had uh, spring practices, 15, 14 practices, 16 practices maybe. And then you can only do what you can do off the field. But if you don't know what to do off the field, it's very difficult to simulate the pass routes and getting a feel for each other. This isn't the NFL where these guys just go to places and, and spend the vacation doing it. It's way different. So I would say that you know you have coaches learning the players, players learning the coaching schemes. If you're not confident or you just don't know you know it 100%, none of us do anything that fast if we don't know it's what we should be doing. So I think you're going to see us just continuously get better, but it's going to be mistakes and then learning from it, right? And and picking up on different things, picking up on different cues. The coaches will start seeing things. It, it, it's going to get better and better. It just takes us – it takes time. You know, we're in a whole new regime. These guys didn't even have one recruiting class, right? They run different things, and they're asking players who were brought in to do one thing, or not to do one thing, but to play in one scheme or two schemes, offense and defense, are asked to do completely different things. It's very completely different. Completely different things. It's very different. But I'm excited because I was nervous about Purdue, and we went in there and really came out of the Dominated. gates firing. So yeah. that makes me excited that we're picking up things on a bye week. We all know bye weeks are fantastic. You get a, you can blow off that steam over the weekend. I don't know what they did. I just remember my bye weekends. They said no <laughs> practice on Saturday, and you're like Friday. It was a bender we would go on. So, uh, <laughs> but then you know, come Sunday, you you you're locked back in, right? It's homecoming. Mike, have you been to Camp Randall? I've not. It's definitely on my short list of places that I, I really want to go see. Because um, I know, I feel like I'm from Jersey. So basically, like, no matter where you're from, New Jersey, it seems like you know a million people who went to whatever different schools. I know a bunch of people sure. went to Wisconsin. I've heard nothing but glowing things about it. Um, I'm sure you guys all know Jersey people from, you know, going to college. They're, it seems like we always stand out for whatever reason, good <laughs> or bad. Um, so I have not been, but I heard it's amazing, you know. From the tailgating to just it's Madison's a gorgeous town. Yeah. It's um it's like almost a bunch of fraternities parents weekend. It's Is homecoming it homecoming this coming weekend? Okay. Homecoming. Yep. The game's at three o'clock Eastern, two there. 
when you're talking about it is game sold out. You, we don't sell, don't take this wrong. You, we don't sell out a lot of teams that aren't like Michigan, Ohio State. But mm-hmm. to, we, this team sold out. I mean, they they don't have. There's no more tickets to get. People are texting me to try nothing. to find tickets. I got nothing. I got. I, I'm not even going to the game. Um, so I think it. You know that bodes well for us, right? I, mm-hmm. I love playing at home. Playing away is brutal. It just is. You really have to have a chip yeah. on your shoulder to go somewhere else. You know, go into their lock, their away locker rooms. Use the facilities there. Like everything is feels awkward. Um, but it's going to be crazy there, and, and I I love that it's homecoming for us out of this bye. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Rutgers has stepped their game up enough that mm-hmm. it it will be a fist fight, and that's what the Big Ten is all about. It is literally yep. two Goliaths standing in a, the middle of the ring, just punching each other in the face, and someone eventually flinches that's a coach Alvarez thing and <laughs> the other team wins right like it's it, yep. it's it is like that I think both teams need to start fast I think both teams obviously need to control the line of scrimmage this is like you know couch potato stuff um but our skilled players like our offense needs to beat your offense and that's really it sounds stupid but if you score more points we're gonna win we have to score those points we can't kick field goals sure. Yeah, I do kind of want to touch on your guys' offense a little bit. Like, the rushing stats are gaudy, so I, I don't want to go there because you already kind of went deep into that. But the passing stuff isn't nearly as, uh, you know, not impressive because that's not the right word, but it's not as – I don't want to say gaudy again, but for a for an air raid offense, you'd expect a little bit more production, I guess, uh, from the passing game. Do you guys mm-hmm. feel that way as well? or is it? Because I know I, I was – kind of keeping track of the Purdue game last week. And it seemed like every time I would look at the ticker, it was like Tanner Mordecai and it was expected to be a passing touchdown, but it was a rushing touchdown. Yep. So like yeah. what, what, how do you guys feel about your passing attack right now? I know, I know you talked about the, the, the offensive line being possibly the most suspect unit on the whole team. You talked about, well, Pauling, the slot receiver possibly being your biggest weapon, but like general vibes around the passing offense after four games in the area. I mean, I think that it's the timing is really hard for a lot of these guys, right, to get used to. Because like Bernie said, 15 spring practices plus fall camp, plus whatever they get during the week. Like, it's not a ton to to adjust to an entirely new scheme, entirely new root tree for a lot of the receivers and stuff like that. A new quarterback who's come in from, you know, who's already been in two other programs in his collegiate career, he has a different passing motion. He has a different rhythm with which he throws the ball than Graham Mertz did. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, the ball comes out of his hands very, very differently, even to the naked eye, right? Like Graham Mertz, you know, was your prototypical six foot four statuesque quarterback who had, you know, a classic throwing motion. Like Mordecai's like almost like sidearm half the time, right? And, you know, the ball spins off of his hand a little bit differently. And I think that you can see that the timing's getting a little bit better. The other thing though that's plagued this team. They've had some really untimely drops. Like uh, Skylar Bell, slot receiver, has had two would have been 50-plus yard touchdowns that he just flat-out dropped for no reason whatsoever other than they just he just dropped it, bounced right off of his hands. And those two touchdowns alone would have generated a massive sure. – like, I mean, you're, you're probably looking at like 120 yards between those two, like a 50- and a 70-yard touchdown. Sure. And – you know, those big plays, they have a, cu- a couple really few drops. And 
that's been tough. I think, you know, it, it, that's been a little bit backbreaking. And then also just, you know, sort of the getting used to the play calling and the rhythm for this team, it's taking a minute for them to gel. And I think that it's also been interesting. They've gotten Braylon Allen involved in the passing game. He has a ton of receptions for like not a lot of yards. Like he's getting like three yards of catch. It's really weird. I don't quite get why they keep throwing the ball to him, quite frankly. Like Braylon Allen is someone who needs to get chugging, rolling downhill. And like, you know, throw a little swing pass to him and he has to like dance to miss a defender. That's not what he's going to do. Like he's going to be easier to tackle in open space. He's not a jitterbug. He's a freight train but you hand the ball off to him going downhill and you can't tackle him. So it's been interesting to see how they've been using these guys and experimenting with these guys. And I imagine coming out of the bye week, we're going to see a lot of new wrinkles in this pass game. And I, like I said, I really would not be surprised if we see a big game from Will Pauling um, and just like getting him the ball even more. He led the team in receptions. I want to see the first game. But his, his usage has gone down a little bit in the last couple of weeks. But I think he's going to be going back up just because I think there's going to be a, a a rekindled interest in even having to force the pass game even more without Chez. And then, you know, B, I think that, you know, if, uh, you know, uh, Rutgers doesn't ha- necessarily have, like, you know, you've got some really solid guys at the top, but the depth isn't quite there, you know, at, you know, especially at, you know, a cornerback position, right? So you're going to want to attack the slot if you possibly can. I think we're going to see a lot of four wide receiver looks this week, a lot of tight end out in the slot, especially true freshman Tucker Ashcraft, um, who's been getting a ton of run at tight end. And so I'm, I'm just curious, I'm curious to see that. And I think that, you know, I think part of the stress though, with when part of the reason that the, uh, you know, some of the bigger passing numbers haven't been there is a combination of a offensive line struggles. Like the offensive line has definitely struggled and work. I hasn't had all the time in the world to throw the ball. And then um, and be like, it's been a lot of short, quick throws just to get into rhythm and not trying to take And then when they've taken those shots downfield, we've had, you know, big drops. And so I think it's sort of like the combination of the two. Yeah. And it's also not agree. a true, it's yeah. also not a true air raid. Like I think calling it, I it, it is air raid in terms of the way that they want to spread teams out. But I mean, if you look at like passes versus runs, it's not like they're throwing the ball 80% of the time. You know, it, it's much closer yeah. to still 50, 50. Yeah. I would say, I would say Phil Longo told us this. He said, we're going to take what they give us. And if you're going to go against the, the pass, you're going to run. So he runs it. He's ra- He ran, Hannah Mordecai had like 14 carries probably about six or seven of them were called run plays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, I think we're opening up the offense. I think you watched the first three games. Maybe Washington state was different, but we had some drops again. And I think once you correct those things, you're going to see something completely different. But if you're playing too deep or you're playing, you know, cover three or whatever, we're going to throw it underneath all the time. You're just, you're out, you know, like we got to find those holes. And to me, Tanner Mordecai, his arm is awesome. Like it comes off like a laser beam. I think he makes some. He makes great decisions. You know, he's had a couple turnovers, but they weren't they weren't horrible throws. You know, guys were just in better positions. So um, I think you you watch those guys gel a little bit more. Will Pauling, I like all DK. I think they just all make plays. Um, and you see their their. To me, the wide receiver room is like the most exciting because there's yes, depth everywhere, wild. and these guys are making catches. They don't look mad when they don't get the ball. Like it's, it seems very cohesive. 
And I like that, right? In an air raid, a typical air raid, this is what you're, you're hoping that your quarterback can spread around. We have multiple guys with catches. So if you imagine first game, Skyward Belt doesn't drop it, this is a 70-yard touchdown, and now his stats are ridiculous, and the pick came right after that. So you're, you know, you're adding on and subtracting here. So, you know, I think um, I think Purdue played played off of us, and we just took advantage. So I like that Phil Longo's mindset is we're going to take what you give us, and we're just going to go against. We're just going to find what works for us. So if the run game's there, we're just going to run it. If Tanner Mordecai is going to run it, I think that's bananas to me because I hate <laughs> when the quarterback runs. But he's like, hey, if these guys are going to rush that hard, we're just going to run up the middle with them, and it worked. So you know you. So, so I think those things are are interesting. I would agree. Also, when you when Phil Longo showed up here, he had an offense that was running ready to run twenty two personnel with a fullback downhill. Right, that was the group of players that he came into. So you're switching everything, right? So at this point, he's got to find what what works not just for him, right? We we've talked about the um, the offense coordinator that that Rutgers has. Right, he he's got a coach to the players he has, and I think sure. that's what he's doing. So, so I I I think he'll find what's working in a game, and and use that to his advantage. But I think you'll see some more deep shots. I think you have to, right? Like we got to throw the ball down the field. Yeah. Um, but Longo's offense is still like we're fresh into it. You know, watching four games in a spring game is not enough. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um... Yeah, I just I'm the more you guys kind of talk about your weaknesses, uh, the weirdly, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, the better I feel about Rutgers' chances, honestly, because I was expecting like you guys to have a defense or an offensive line that was fairly stout that was going to be tough to bring pressure on. I expected you guys to have a pretty tough front seven because that's kind of been the hallmark. But the more you guys talk about it, it really is just a totally different program under, but, and that's because it's time. transitional. Yeah. Do we, but we also pick up on like the things that we dislike the most and we beat those things. You know, we, Matt Perkins and I, last year we didn't have a special teams coach. Oh my God. We missed so many field goals. We kicked balls out. <laughs> we, we would talk about that like 30 Every minutes week. out of an hour podcast. Every week. So, so Every I mean, week. listen, as a, as someone who does a podcast, like you, you talk about the things that you need to improve on. And sure. I think that's where you focus a lot. We could focus and talk about Brayon Allen and the wide receivers. I could do this all day. But sure, sure, sure. if you're talking about a unit that needs help within the wide receivers, the quarterback, and the tight ends, and the running back, and the O-line, it's the O-line. But it's not saying that they can't do it. They just – they haven't put a full game together. Mm-hmm. Is, is They've had – you know, they've had times when the gates have opened, and they've had times when they've done great. So – I. We, you know, we harp on that. I think the defense is figuring it out. It's a little bit more difficult. And a, a three four and a three three is completely like even when I watch, I have no idea what's going on. I've never, <laughs> you know, I've never seen a three three. A three four, I can understand. Sure. Uh, three three, it's it's hard for even me to understand. And it's a pain in the ass to play against when those players know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And UNLV whooped our butt in two thousand two or three with a three three. We literally had our heads spinning. We had no idea where pressure was coming from. They played all man. It, it was like it was absolute pandemonium. They beat us like twenty. Matt Perkins, what was it? We scored like five points. Yeah, it was like I think I want to say it was like twenty eight to six or something like that. It was twenty four. It was bad. Yeah, it was we bad. couldn't figure it out. So eventually, that's the the where I think we'll be. 
Yeah, I remember West Virginia used to run that back under Rich Rodriguez, the three three five, and it was always just like so strange to just see that formation lined up on on TV or at at the stadium. Um, we kind of run something similar. We run a four two five on defense, yep. so we have yeah. two base linebackers, four base offense or defensive linemen, uh, which is kind of like a, a weird strength for Rutgers for a long time. We've really struggled at linebacker. We've got two really good ones in Deion Jennings and Tyreen Powell. I know that they, mm. on, if you're looking at PFF, they list Muhammad Ture as a linebacker, but he's really like this. They call it the, you know, I don't remember what they call it now, but it's basically like a an edge defender who is, I guess, lined up in the linebacker area enough for PFF to think they're a linebacker. Um, but yeah, I, who, who would you guys say? Torrey, your Torrey was someone that Wisconsin recruited really heavily, and he picked Rutgers yeah. over Wisconsin in his final group. I remember because he was someone that I, I remember, you know, in the. You know, in, in the recruiting, scouting stuff that I do over at Badger Blitz, like I, mean, I remember being like, "Dude, that could that dude's a player. Like that dude is a player." Yeah, they have a. He's got a freaky family bloodline too. His younger brother is uh, his name Fama Toure. He's a freshman uh, wide receiver on Rutgers. Uh, who's you know he had his first playing time of the season last week against Wagner. They have another younger brother who I think is going, I think he's between Ohio state and Penn state. He's in high school right now. He's an Irvington guy. Um, but yeah, he, they're just, they're all like muscle. Like the, the, it's literally probably all like three to 4% body fat. And the same thing for his brother, his brother is like, you know, 18 years old and he just looks like an action figure. It's kind of wild. Um, who are some like defensive guys to really kind of look out for on your team uh, coming oh, on Saturday? Hunter Wohler. Hunter Wohler. Hunter Wohler. Uh, he's your safety. Safety Hunter yep. Waller. He is he has been the best player on the defense in every game pretty much this year. Um, you know he, he's a playmaker and he plays what they're calling I think they call it star role in this defense, which basically means like run around and make a bunch of plays. You know, insofar <laughs> as I can tell, right? Like he just runs and he hits people. He'll blitz occasionally, drop back and coverage. He's got a couple picks and like. He's in on seemingly every single tackle, like every single tackle. It seems like he's in on um, big play. Like I talked about him earlier, Ricardo Hallman. He's really impressed me. Um, the corner, you know, I, I I really he's he's gonna he leads the team interceptions. I predicted he would lead the team interceptions this year. I definitely got that one right. He's already got three this year. Um, oh, wow. You know, and I think he's gonna have a couple more as the year goes on as well. Uh, he's a big play guy. James Thompson has been the best defensive lineman for sure. Like he's been a cut above everyone else. He's got a big frame. He's about six, five and a half to 90 to 95. Um, you know, in the three, three defensive ends are not really expected to do a lot of pass rushing, but I think he's leading the team in sacks right now. Um, and then they have a three headed month. They have effectively have three starters at middle linebacker. Like they list like three co-starters at middle linebacker. Um, and uh, Jake Cheney, Muma Jometa, and uh, Jordan Turner. Uh, and Muma's been Muma's a team captain, been that dude. Didn't like to play a lot against Purdue. It's been a little bit weird. That's actually been one of the big storylines coming out. Why didn't Muma really play against Purdue? He played literally one snap, and he's a starter and senior captain. Um, you know, they said in a press conference this week that it was about, you know, he said he said it was about they're trying to get Jordan and Jake some more reps, but it still seemed a little bit suspect. Um, but all three of those guys are really solid. I think Jordan's the best in coverage. Uh, Jake is really good against the run. He's like, you know, I don't remember Chris Orr, who played for Wisconsin from like 2016 to 2019, 2020-ish. Um, but like probably 5'10 and a half, 5'11, like 230, just like 
thick as all get out and really good, uh, really good against the run, blitzing up the middle. Um, but yeah, so I would say like Hunter Roller though is like the guy with a bullet to watch. And and Mike, I'd say one thing that's huge for us is having a bye week. Yeah, I yeah. think that's like our like our twelfth man right now is mm-hmm. maybe our thirteenth because our students section might be bananas. They're all going to be wasted. They're going to be at the stadium hopefully. But I, I do think the bye week is huge for us. You know, you're we're talking about we're making a lot of mistakes. It's the best time. You have nine, ten practices almost in between games. You can get fresh and you can learn. And I think that's going to yep. be. You know, I don't think it's physical. I think it's more mental because mental is 90% of football. I mean, it's a lot of percent of football, you know. And from my experience, the second I figured it out, you unleash this, you know, violent nature but focused, you can play good football. I don't think they're there yet. And I think that's what, you know, like we talk with a bunch of old linemen. We're just right there. We're like right on the (laughs) precipice, I think, of like, having a chip on our shoulder and, and being bullies, but we're not there. Cause I think we're playing a, a step slow. Cause we're trying to figure out still things and seeing things are all new. Um, so, so I would say the bye week for us is huge, fresh and we can learn and we can get ready to prepare. You have two weeks to prepare for one game. It's usually, you know, pretty, pretty good. So yeah, who, no, do, I, who do Wisconsin fans need to be looking out for on, on both sides of the ball for Rutgers? I mean, we talked about Wimsett, but like, who should Wisconsin, and we talked about Wimsett and Torrey, but who are a couple other names that they should be looking out for? Uh, so I'll give you two on offense. Uh, first is Kyle Manungai. He is our leading rusher on the year. He won Big Ten player of the Offensive Player of the Week, I believe, after his uh, Virginia Tech performance. He rushed for 143 yards and three touchdowns. The week before, he rushed for 165 yards and a touchdown against Temple. He was held in check against Michigan because – you know, the, it's much the best team in the country. Yeah. Um, but he's been a revelation a bit last year. He had one really good game against Michigan state when most of the other running backs were hurt. I think he had 160 yards against Michigan state or 140, one of those two. Um, so he's really been the lead dog. We all thought it was going to be Sam Brown coming into the season. He's coming off a foot injury. So I, I would say ideally they're probably wanting to get to this one, a one B situation, similar to what you guys had before Maluzi got hurt. Uh, the other guy on offense to really look out for is Jaquay Jackson. He is number nine. He's a receiver. He was actually in Division II last year. He was a Division II All-American. Um, he put up crazy uh, numbers, if you believe, what, you know, are coming out of D2 Pro Days. Uh, he came in, I believe, at right around 6'3", like 210, and he ran in the the, the low 4'4s, four um, and he decided to enter the portal. He actually chose Rutgers over a, a lot of other teams that you wouldn't think uh, he took official visits to Texas A&M, Miami, Colorado, and one other in the portal. And he ended up choosing Rutgers. So, you know, we'll, we'll take that. He wanted to basically put himself in the best position to, to play and also to make the NFL. So I think that's kind of what it came down to. You, you hear all those names, you think, oh, he was going for the highest payday. And I think this is one of the rare cases where that wasn't the case uh, in 2023. So, uh, you know, kudos to him because, you know, he's been a really, really good receiver for us. Uh, defense, I'll, I'll give you three. Uh, first and foremost, Aaron Aaron Lewis. He's a defensive end. He's number 72, I believe. And I'm going to get shit if I don't get that number right. Um, <laughs> yeah, 71, sorry. So Aaron Lewis is probably the best player on the team in general. Uh, Aaron Lewis, um, he's one of those players that you really hate to play against because he's seemingly a guy who never runs out of energy. He's always, you know, giving 100% effort doing things kind of on the the edge of getting a penalty a lot of the times from like 
maybe hitting the quarterback at that last second that you can get away with it. But, you, you know, you go a little further, it's probably roughing the passer. Um, he's been just a, I think he led the NF or the, sorry, the, the power five and pressures last year, if not led, he was in the top two. Um, he was a first team, uh, all big 10 selection by PFF before the season. Um, and he's been really, really good. He's having his best season in college so far. Second is Tyreen Powell. He's the middle linebacker. He's just a really freaky, long rangy kind of like modern prototype, uh, linebacker. I think he's like six, four two twenty, and he can run sideline to sideline. And he, you know, he's one of those guys who, is helping boost Rutgers miss tackle percentage because he basically he gets your hand he gets his hands on somebody they're going down it might be tough against a guy like Braylon Allen who's 6'2", 230, 240. I don't I don't think many people can tackle him but mm-hmm. if there's a few people I trust it's those two the last is uh, Flip Dixon he is a transfer portal guy we got out of Minnesota um, we talked about the connection between PJ Fleck and Rutgers the former safeties coach at Minnesota is now our defense coordinator and Joe Harris, Harris Simiak. So it was an easy plug and play. He's been a revelation this year. He's, he's, I think, top 20 safety, according to PFF rankings. He had a really athletic interception against Virginia Tech. And he's just, there was a game, I think it was Temple, where literally, like, he took over an entire quarter as a defender. Like, he made, like, four or five really splash wow plays against one opponent. Uh, so those are the main guys, I would say, to, to kind of look at. There are a few more players on defense, but I'm not going to kind of go deep into those. But just know our, our defense is very deep um, yeah, uh, and talented in general. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited about this game. Um, you know, because, you know, I, I like seeing Rutgers on, you know, on the rise just as yep. a, a fan of Big Ten football in general. I mean, it, it's good for all, you know, for all these programs. I mean, Maryland's had a heck of a start, you know, some of these non-traditional powers going, you know, really strong at the beginning of the season. It's just good for the conference. I mean, you know, I, I don't mind seeing Nebraska suck. Um, you know, I, I will never, I will never have anything good to say about Nebraska or Purdue. Or I should say, <laughs> Purdue, I don't really care about, but Nebraska, Minnesota, I will never have anything good to say about either of those schools. But, you know, I, I, I like seeing Rutgers, obviously selfishly, you know, like I said, um, family ties there. But I, I think it's good for, it's good for the conference. It's going to be wild, especially once USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington are part of it. I have, I mean, it, it's, it's nuts, man. It's absolutely next year. Next year is going to be something, something out of this world. I don't even know what that's going to feel like. I hope that they, they really reshuffle the schedule because I mean, yes, as you can expect, the big 10 does no favors to Rutgers. Like this year they faced three teams off a of bye. in terms of the big 10 West. We're playing uh, Wisconsin. We're playing we're playing at Wisconsin, at Iowa, and we played Northwestern the opening day. Uh, so we have arguably the, the toughest schedule in the Big Ten, I'd say. Um, and when you, especially when you stack on the lack of, you know, when you're playing guy, teams who have an extra week of rest three times in the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so for next year, we're playing the Big e- Big Ten East minus Indiana. So instead of Indiana, we're getting UCLA. So. Yeah, we're getting screwed again. I'm hoping that gets reshuffled though with Oregon and uh, Washington getting added. Uh, I, I know that that seems to be the way things are going to go, but I wouldn't hold my breath. I'm a Rutgers fan about getting an easier schedule. I think it's going to be probably just as bad. It's not really getting easier for anybody though. No, even though the, the I mean, West is not great, but teams are getting better. You guys had such an easy path to the big 10 championship game for the last, the last, decade, though. The last yeah. I don't disagree, but yeah, the, yeah. it's going to be harder. Oh, it's going to be hard for everyone, uh, especially because of the elimination of the divisions. But I just mean, like, when you, every year it's like Penn State, Michigan, 
Ohio State. We got to play all three of them. It's brutal. You know, it, it's it's funny you mentioned that because as as someone who went to Wisconsin, you want to go to these places to play against these teams. Yep. So so don't I wouldn't I mean listen, it sucks when you lose, you get blown out. Yeah, but you're gonna get a lot more guys to say, hey, be on this team that actually beats this team. Be on the team that beats Ohio State. You know, we have a, a I I have a good track record against Ohio State. Do you know how fun it is to go there and beat them? Like it's what you I went to Wisconsin for. Sure. Go to Penn State and win. Like so so as it is a, a negative when you lose, it's still a positive for the kids and the experience. And you're going to recruit kids because they want to go in and, oh, Michigan said no to you. I'm going to go to Rutgers and prove you wrong. Yeah, I think as the new kids on the block, though, we had a, a lot of things working against us from, you know, we came from the AAC to the Big Ten. And so yeah. we had no leverage. So we got like a tenth of the share for like the first seven years. I think we were a, uh, an affiliated Big Ten program. So we were getting no money. We we're getting the shittiest schedules. Sorry if you guys can't curse on your podcast. Um, and you know we're you know in the Big Ten East, so it is starting to turn, but it's taken a long time to get this thing even pointed in the right direction for sure. All right. Well, we will finish up here. Uh, I want to I want a game prediction here, and then I want your prediction for who's going to be in the Big Ten title game, Mike. All right. So uh, I said at the top i thought the line was a little off in terms what is it, 13 of 13 and a half up. right now or something like I don't, that i haven't checked in a bit uh, i i bet it when it was when it just got released because i Rutgers is covered is five and oh against the spread this year um and the Ooh. vegas has been tough to adjust uh to us long uh, in 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 history in general so when it came out at plus 14 i was expecting it to be like 10 and a half so i bet it right away i think the line's off I I think this will be a very close game. And we've yeah, talked about at, it. At, per our sponsor at betonline.ag, it's still 14. It's still 14. So yeah. I think this will be close for most of the game. I'm on I, – I did make a small money line bet for Rutgers, so I want to put that out there. So I, I do think they have a better chance to win than they're getting credit for. But I do think this will be one of those games where, like, there will be a fourth quarter decision or there will be a fourth quarter play that kind of flips this. I'm going to say Rutgers loses this one 27-23 on uh, a late fourth quarter turnover when we're driving. Um, but it will be close, and I think you know it won't be really totally known who's going to win until late in the game, fourth quarter. Um, All right, so you so so you've got you you've got Rutgers plus the points and the over over under set at forty five right now. Yep. So I will I I, I will go. Uh, I've got Wisconsin thirty seven twenty seven. Uh, so Rutgers plus fourteen, but and, and definitely the over. I think that um, even though Rutgers defense is very good, I still think that. I still think the batters can move the ball because I do think at the end of the day, Wisconsin's offense still has more talent than any of the other teams that, you know, outside of Michigan that Rutgers has played. And I, you know, I, I think they can start to get it moving a little bit, especially coming off of that bye week. Uh, Bernie, what you got? I mean, I, I'm, I'm take Wisconsin 31 to 24. Okay. I think the bye week helps us tremendously. I think it's a closer game than people. I would agree. It's a closer mm-hmm. game than people. Listen, any game could be a blowout, but I think it's a closer game. I think you have two better teams. I just think the bye week helps us, and I think we're we're coming into our own. It's like we're going through puberty. 
finally get, we're getting there. It's <laughs> taking our time, but we're, we're getting through puberty, I think. All right. And so I'm curious. Um, I, I'm going to go on the record here. I said this before the season. My prediction before the season for the Big Ten championship game was Wisconsin versus Penn State. And so, and here we are at the, at the a third of the way through the season uh, with all the struggles that Iowa's had uh, with the rest of the Big Ten West looking pretty subpar. I'm sticking to it. I still like this Penn State team. Uh, but, you know, I am curious, though, I'm Mike, what you, who you think is going to be in the Big Ten title game this year. Well, given that I just said I think Rutgers loses a nail-biter to Wisconsin, that's going to put them 2-0 in the Big Ten. They already got the tiebreaker against Purdue for beating them. And then Iowa just lost its quarterback. And uh, I think they're going to start to unravel under the, the the pressure of Brian Ferentz not being able to put together a, a, a modern offense. And you've already started to see him cracking a bit uh, on the podium. And then your other team you got to compete with is probably Minnesota. Minnesota's, you know, already blown. I don't know how big of the lead they blew against Northwestern, but they don't really impress me. I think you guys not this. Don't take this the wrong way. You kind of back into this. Like you win by <laughs> default almost. Like, I don't yeah. see how you could pick anybody. Like, I, I I don't know what the betting odds are for the Big Ten West title, but you guys have to be, like, at least, you know, minus 150 favorites right now. I think it's it's easy money to predict you guys to win the Big Ten West. Out of the East, it's tougher. I have a hard time picking Penn State. Uh, I found out this stat earlier today. Big Ten – or Penn State has the most offensive plays. It's either in the Power Five or in college football. Um, and they have the second fewest explosive plays of so 20 plus yard plays in power five or, or in FBS. I don't remember which one it was. That to me is going to be a big present itself to be a big problem against, you know, their two main challenges this year in, in Penn state and in Ohio state. I, I can't imagine Penn state winning. Like you'll have to you know, show me that James Franklin beat Ohio state and Michigan before I'll believe it. So I'm going to just cross them off for that reason. Maryland's a dark horse, but I just don't think they got enough, you know, defensive firepower to hold up against some of the better teams in the Big Ten East. And then it comes down to, you know, the the game, uh, the end of the season, I think. I think Michigan ends up beating Ohio State again. I wasn't really super impressed with Ohio State to start the season. I thought they, they probably should have won at Notre Dame by at least double digits. I don't think Notre Dame's that good either. Um, so Michigan... Wisconsin Big Ten title game, um, and probably Michigan winning it just because I, I have a hard time seeing. Honestly, I could see them going undefeated this year, going through the the, the college football playoff. I'm not really impressed by any of the top teams so far in terms of the top ten ranked teams in general. All right, Burn, what you got there? I mean, I hate Michigan with a passion, but I do think it comes down to the last game, which it pretty much seems like it does every year. Yep. I'm going to put Ohio State in there because I just can't pick Michigan for anything. <laughs> um, so I might not be going with my gut. This is why I don't gamble because I'm horrible <laughs> at it. Uh, but I, I do think we I do think we somehow win the Big Ten West. Not somehow. I think we win. I think people are beating each other, and I think we're going to prosper from that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this uh, this went on much longer than we expected, but this was freaking fantastic, Mike. Um, we really appreciate you. Uh, having us on your show and hanging out with us here on our show uh, on uh, on the night report X believe in Badgers. This has been a freaking fantastic dude. And hopefully, <laughs> you know, and the dream is one day Wisconsin versus Rutgers in the big 10 championship game. 
I would love that. Um, we've had some, it's been fun to also just kind of battle out on the basketball court too. We're excited for that to come around the corner, uh, not to get into that too much because we're talking about the game, but uh, it's funny how the, the, the mentality kind of translates over to the basketball court too, because big 10 is very similar in terms of just like beat the shit out of each other for yep. 40 minutes yep. up and down the court, same way it is on the yep. gridiron. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, this has been great. It's it's funny how much we have this overlap too. Both being on Believe, both being affiliated with Rivals. Um, Got to get more more groups of people like that on on Believe. It's been great. Absolutely, absolutely, do, and we appreciate everyone tuning in here to both the Night Report and Believe in Badgers on the Believe Network, presented by BetOnline.ag and Oak Bridge Wealth Management. Uh, so until next time, that's Mike Broadbent from the Night Report. Matt Bernstein, the Hebrew Hammer, and I'm Matt Perkins. And until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Okay, Mike, you don't have to say it. No, I'm not going to. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.